Welcome to the Doctor Patient Forum, a no holds barred patient advocacy podcast discussing why millions of pain patients continue to suffer, but most importantly, who caused the suffering. Join us weekly as we discuss how you can help end the untreated pain crisis. Hey there, this is actually part two of a three-part discussion about NARC's care. Early on, probably a few years ago, Bev had some, you know, she voiced concerns about NARC's care and how it was interfering with the doctor-patient relationship. And Bev, you and I, we got on a phone call with APRIS, and that's when we learned that NARC's care was actually used to target doctors. And then you had some success. You contacted an outstanding journalist, Maya Solovitz. And because of Maya, you, Maya, were able to join somebody from Narc's Care Bamboo Health. And we're going to be discussing this interview today that you were so lucky to land. We're going to be discussing the interview with NPR. It was on show 1A, as they heard in the first part of this Narc's Care series. No one was taking us seriously. And then Dr. Neal did, and he was able to research all of it with Terry Lewis and find all of this information. They pulled the patent. All of the those links were on the show notes of the first part of this Narc's Care series. I'm trying to remember exactly how Maya got interested. I re- out to her because I think our government like OIG or the the DOJ put out a request for proposal and it had to do with looking for a data analytics algorithm to go after any doctors who were prescribing buprenorphine or even methadone, I think. And so I knew that it would affect people with addiction. So I reached out to Maya, asked her if she would be willing to look into it. And she actually was amazing. And she spent so much time researching it. I think she tried to get it with New York Times first, but they didn't want it. So then uh, she was able to get Wired interested. So Wired covered it. And then didn't New York Times pick up the same article? Uh, The pain was so unbearable. I don't think so. I think it was just Wired. But Maya got an amazing reaction. I reached out to her recently and asked her again what kind of feedback she got. And she said she got incredible feedback from everyone other than Bamboo Health because they, as you'll hear in this episode, in the parts of the show that we're playing, that they actually threatened to sue Wired. They wanted them to redact certain information. It seemed like they were taking things down off the internet. Links were broken that were there before. I don't remember exactly what things they were saying were untrue, but you'll hear in this episode that um, Dr. Rawat is the one who was on the 1A show. She's the CMO of Bamboo Health. She actually created or is in charge of their open beds platform, which has to do with addiction. Like open beds is it's embedded, I think, also in the PDMP with Narc's Care. And if someone thinks that a patient has OUD, then this pops up and it helps them place them into some kind of treatment facility. And that program is actually embedded into Gary Mendel's Atlas program, which is also placing people or, or looking up treatment facilities. So that's how Shatterproof and Bamboo Health are connected. But I don't know why they had. Dr. Rawat there because she doesn't really have much to do with Narc's care. You'll hear on the snippets we play that I don't know if she was purposely lying or she just doesn't know really what Narc's care does, but she accused Maya's article. She accused Maya of being one-sided, inaccurate, that she wanted to set the record straight. And then the things that she discusses that were inaccurate in Maya's article, Dr. Rawat was 100% incorrect. And we have evidence of the fact that she was incorrect. So I'd like to think that she wasn't 
lying on purpose, but I really don't know because she was extremely like flippant. Do you remember her in that interview? She just was like laughing, even when she apologized to me for on the behalf of the medical system for how I was treated in the hospital. She was like giggling. I don't know if it was funny to her or what, but I feel like her job that day was to make us all look like fools. But I think she just looked herself like a flippant doctor who really didn't care about anything but her product. Yeah, I think her role that day was damage control. That's all that's all her role was. She probably knows very little about Narc's care, but she is the CMO and that's their job to do damage control. Also, shortly after or leading up to the article written by Maya, we had put a call to action out. Have you been affected by Narc's care? We heard you heard from several people, several don't punish pain members. Now the doctor patient forum, several members reached out to us and you spoke with a few of them. Yeah. So that's the other part of this show. This episode is I interviewed three people. They were all women from a don't punish pain rally doctor patient forum who they were kind enough to share their experiences with me. And they definitely were very much affected by Narc's care. It's hard to get evidence of people being affected by Narc's care because you'll hear in all of their stories, they're trained to, they're told to never use the word Narc's care. They're told to never give that whole concept of even a score. So for a doctor to say it, it's it's an accident and they're slipping. So it's hard for us to even know. Usually they'll just say we can't prescribe and won't give a reason. But these three women, it was very clear that it was Narc's care that was causing this medical decision and this poor treatment. You'll hear Dr. Rawat, she'll say, oh, well, this shouldn't be used to make medical decisions. They always say it shouldn't be used to make medical decisions but what else is it supposed to be used for then just to judge us like just what what just to I, I don't understand it's only used to make medical decisions and to cause stigma there's no other purpose for this because when a doctor pharmacist with when anyone looks at this score they don't know what goes into it and that's part of the problem and you'll hear on this show that dr robot's like oh we are so transparent ridiculous they're not transparent they're not transparent at all because as neil said in the first episode of Narc's Care, so many of us contacted Bamboo Health to ask for the raw data from the study that they based the overdose risk score on. And not only did they not send it, they didn't even respond to any of us. And in their study, it literally says, reach out to this person if you want the raw data. But if they're so transparent, why won't they send the data? Yeah, clearly Narc's Care is being used to make medical decisions. And it's just another piece of the war on chronic pain patients, the war on people who need pain medications. So we hope you enjoy part two of a three-part series discussing Narc's Care. As we mentioned earlier, Maya wrote an article in Wired about Narc's Care, and then NPR, show 1A, picked it up. They had on their show a doctor, the CMO of Bamboo Health, Dr. Rawat, Maya, and me. Let's listen to what Dr. Rawat had to say when she was asked to explain what Narc's Care was. We have a software application called Narc's Care, which essentially provides an objective summary of the underlying prescription drug monitoring program information at a glance. And so in any event, we provide the Narc's Care application to, again, provide a more objective 
efficient representation of that data. Number one, it's a graphical representation. Number two, it provides use scores based on known risks associated with using controlled substances. And then number three, we provide a, a safety valve of sorts. It's a, an overdose risk score, which communicates the risk of suffering from an unintentional overdose death. And that risk score ranges from, I think, 0 to 999. Is there any guidance from your company about how doctors should interpret that score, or is it left up to the doctors? We provide um, a a tremendous amount of guidance as to how the scores uh, should be used. Let me tell you how the scores should not be used. Physicians and pharmacists should never make uh, an impactful patient decision based on a single variable alone. That's just bad medicine. It's bad pharmacy care. So now let's listen to some things Maya had to say that she found out about NARC's care when she was researching it for the Wired report. There's a lot of wrong data that goes into this. Like in in my reporting for Wired, I found that one of the reasons somebody can get a high score is because they have sick pets and dogs apparently need extremely high doses of benzodiazepines and the vet looks like another doctor that the patient has been visiting when, in fact, they're getting their pet treated. I've also heard a lot from doctors at academic medical centers who say that because their patients are being treated by a team, it looks like they're doctor shopping because they have 20 different doctors caring for them, but they're all working together. So this can come up and and mess up somebody's scores. And then there's also cases where people, they have to travel a long distance or their doctor got arrested or retired. So it looks like they have many doctors. So there's kind of many, many different ways that this can go wrong and look bad in a summary of a lot of data and the doc but the doctors are like well this is a subjective thing that i'm being told to use i have to look at it i'm legally required by my state to check this even if i truly believe that this patient needs these medications i don't want to get the medical board on my back i don't want the dea knocking on my door so maya did a really good job in my opinion explaining some of the biggest issues with narc's care that she found when she was researching for this article in wired but let's listen to dr rawat and her response to maya because she wasn't very happy at all with what maya had to say going to say something <laughs> rather un- un-Canadian uh, right now. I'm, I'm Canadian. Maya's article is unfortunately exceedingly one-sided and, and there are many inaccuracies that she communicated just now. So I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to have this conversation to, to set the record straight. That's some pretty heavy accusations for someone to say that an investigative reporter only gave one side and had inaccuracies in their article. And as you'll hear Maya comment on later, they actually threatened legal action against Wired, wanting them to redact certain things. But as far as I know, nothing ever came of it. Now let's hear from Dr. Ruwat those things she thinks Maya reported that were inaccurate or one-sided. So it was mentioned that pet information is linked to human information in the reports, and that's not true. Sometimes maybe there's misentry where a pet prescription is entered under a human name and, and date of birth. That's rare. <laughs> if it happens, there's a way to uh, to correct that. If you are receiving coordinated care by 20 physicians, <laughs> your overdose risk score, your use scores will not be elevated. 
I want to address what she said about if there are errors, like if a person's pet's information is entered under the person, that it's basically easy to fix. None of that is accurate. It is so difficult to fix. We just tried to help someone. She has OUD and she's on maintenance methadone. She gets take-home methadone. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a medication she has never been prescribed shows up on her PDMP report. She asks her methadone clinic to show her who filled it, who wrote it, when it was written, what pharmacy filled it, and they would not give her any information. So she contacted her state, which houses the PDMP, and asked for a copy of the report. They sent her a letter saying that she will receive it in 30 days. 30 days. And she was also told if there are errors, it can take up to six months to fix. Six months. Now, this is somebody who her take-home methadone can very well be jeopardized because of an error in the PDMP. Isn't her fault No one will help her with this information. She asked for an expedited report. They're not doing it. But Dr. Rawat makes it sound like it's just so easy to correct errors. It's not. We do not have immediate access to the PDMP. And then the next step, how that applies to NARC's care, is if that information is in her PDMP and that methadone clinic is right, that is now worked into her NARC's care scores. It was an ADHD medication that was at fault. So her stimulant score is going to go up even though she's never been prescribed a stimulant. Her overdose risk score is going to go up because it looks like overlapping prescriptions. It looks like prescriptions from two different providers. And if it's going to take up to six months, well, actually seven by the time she gets the report and then gets it fixed, how is she going to get her NARCS care score fixed? Because as we know, we don't have access to that either. So none of this is to protect the patient. None of it is. Because if it were to protect us, we would have access to the PDMP, access to our NARCS care reports, just like we have access to our electronic health records. But that doesn't happen. And when these doctors, providers, clinics, whatever, see these scores, They don't know it's because of an error. You know why? Because nobody knows what goes into these scores. We're very transparent about what goes into the the use scores. Um, There are five known factors associated with controlled substance misuse. Number one, number of prescribers. Number two, number of pharmacies. Number three, the overlap of the prescriptions and the the prescribers. Uh, That's a a significant one. Number four, the total daily dose of opioids. Number five, a concomitant use of other controlled substances. We look at those five variables uh, over five different time periods, weighting the more recent time periods more. Wait a second, did I hear her right? Did she literally just say they're very transparent about what goes into their risk scores? Because I'm pretty sure that's what she said. To me, that's crazy. Because I can't tell you how many of us requested the raw data from the study that they supposedly based the overdose risk score on. No response. None. And it wasn't just us. It was Dr. Neal. It was other doctors. Terry Lewis did. Who 
worked so hard on Narc's care before she passed away, which is why this episode is dedicated to her. But Dr. Rawat on NPR just told everybody that they're transparent. So what I would suggest, those of you who are listening, contact Bamboo Health. They say they are transparent. Let's get what goes into these scores. So now let's listen to Maya's response to the host asking her some questions about her Wired article and some specifics that she put in there. In reading your reporting, Maya, one of the things you outline is is how something like geography, where you live, might impact your score. Can you explain that? Well, again, unfortunately, um, Bamboo Health has told different stories about what their product actually contains. When I was doing the reporting for this this piece, there was information on their website that said the score could include criminal justice data, could include all kinds of data from your health record, which would include your address and the diagnoses that you have. Five minutes before my deadline, they responded to a follow-up question by saying, no, that marketing material is not accurate. We don't actually do that even though this was, you know, on multiple sites and in multiple marketing material that I saw across their website. There are no inaccuracies in my article. They have threatened legal action. So I have to be careful about what I say here. But what I will say is I stand by my reporting, Wired stand by my reporting. I have literally talked to, for the article alone, I talked to 50 people. I talked to probably another 20 just on background. And I'm hearing from doctors all the time in academic medical settings who are seeing this stuff in their scores. And you present a summary score as objective that comes from data that may not be objective or that may be inaccurate. It's a real problem. Just a quick follow-up to some things that Maya said. The question that Jen White asked her was about geography and the algorithm and how it can affect your score. One thing that's in their algorithm, and we saw it in their patent, I believe, is that if you live a certain distance from your doctor, then you are flagged, your doctor is flagged. I'm not sure if the pharmacy is even supposed to fill it or if the DEA considers that a red flag. Mileage that I remember was, I believe it was 25 miles if you live in the city, 40 miles if you don't live in the city, that that's a red flag and it will increase your score. But as we know, it's so difficult to find a doctor within your state at this point, let alone within a 25 or 40 mile range. This leads me to the point that these red flags that the DEA uses and things that are worked into algorithms like Narc's Care are completely outdated. Maybe in the 90s when there were pill mills, say in Florida, and people from other states would all pile into a van and drive down there and get their medication and then drive back and sell it. So these weren't really patients. These were actual drug dealers who were going down there. But those days are long gone. So it made sense at that point to have that kind of as a red flag, right? But that's not the case anymore. People fly across the country now to get medication because they can't find doctors in their state or even in several states around them. So for that to be considered a red flag still is completely outdated and it needs to go. We're so grateful for Maya that she was willing to cover this story on Narc's Care. We'd been trying for a while to get media to cover it, but no one seemed interested until Maya showed interest. That's what led to the 1A interview. So the next section, I interviewed three patients who were discriminated against. 
As we said earlier, it's hard to know when someone actually was affected by Narc's care because doctors seem to be taught not to use the word Narc's care to tell the patient that that's why they're being denied medication. It seems to be part of internal policies at certain hospitals or practices, but they're not supposed to tell the patient that Narc's care is the reason why they are not getting medication. We interviewed three patients who were affected by Narc's care. The first patient is Jenna in Ohio. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about Narc's care. Bev, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you and Claudia for everything that you guys do. I saw you online. We were talking about Narc's care. You had said that you had an experience with it. I was just wondering if you'd be willing to explain a little bit to let me know what that was. I have systemic lupus that I've had since I was a little girl. Comes with a lot of pain. I have been on opioid therapy, tramadol, for years in Florida. Unfortunately, my mother got diagnosed with cancer in the fall of 2019, and I had to come up to Cleveland, up to the Cleveland Clinic, which has caused me a lot of trauma. On top of that, I also see doctors that are about 25 miles out of my radius. Right. So I see doctors at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. I see specialists all over the place. Each one of those doctors that have ever given me a refill of, because I see multiple doctors, I had one rheumatologist in Florida. Then I had to go see my other rheumatologist at Mayo. That rheumatologist had like an assistant who also gave me a script and you know, his name, right? Now, none of these scripts are overlapping. Obviously, they all know what's going on. I'm not using insurance. I'm paying out of cash. I'm using multiple different pharmacies. I had really, really, really bad flares. I was in the hospital six times in a year getting poked, prod, scanned, hooked up to IV drips. My mother has cancer, as you know, and I have to come back to Cleveland. At that point in Cleveland, I ended up in the ER a couple of times. I don't have insurance in Cleveland at all. Cannot go to any doctors in Cleveland. So I have systemic lupus and I have not been getting care for quite some time now. But the pain would get so bad, I would have to go to the ER. First time I go to the ER, it was completely fine. The second time, the doctor hooks me up to morphine, gives me my steroids. And he's like, Jenna, I'm sorry, I can't give you a take-home script. I'm like, why? He's like, because your score is too high. Oh. What do you mean my score is too high? I didn't really understand any of this. I would have never known any of this was going on if I didn't follow the doctor patient forum and heard the stories of, of everyone else. And he told me flat out, I do not agree with it, but my hands are tied. The Cleveland Clinic will not let me give it to you. So he actually said he didn't use Narc's care. He said score. What score did he tell you you had? What he was told you? me my score was a 610. Did he and explain that to you what that meant at all? Not really. He told me that I had too many prescribers. Okay. I've had four tramadol prescribers through my years, but they all knew what was going on. I'm assuming maybe a lot of it plays into being into the ER in so many times. I have a chronic illness with serious ramifications. That's of right. Of course I'm in the ER. So he really specifically said that his hands are tied. So it sounds like it's possible that Cleveland Clinic did at that point at least have some kind of policy where they didn't want a prescription. 100%. Absolutely, they did. After that happened, I ended up getting some insurance in Ohio. I went and saw pain management at Cleveland Clinic, and that was my first mistake. He didn't tell me that my score was too high. When I went in there, I saw the screen and it's a big number. He must have put my name in the computer. It said a 610 and it was really large. And he basically went on to this whole spiel about how opioid therapy doesn't work and not to take opioids. He basically told me to eat arugula and take vitamins. It's absurd. So 610 
that most likely is the overdose risk score. So there's four numbers, as we know, in NARC's care. One's a narcotic score, one's sedative, one's stimulant. And then that number, the overdose risk score, which was 610, that's the one that they seem to use to make clinical decisions based on that they continue to say that clinical decisions aren't supposed to be made based on them, but they continue to be. And what I find interesting is the doctors who are using it like that to make decisions, they absolutely don't know what goes into that number. None of the doctors know what's going into their decision making. And they think it's just PDMP, but it's not. One thing we do know that makes the risk score go up is if you use the system a lot. They used to call us abusive patients. Then they moved it to either high or super utilizers. And that just means that you use the system a lot. Exactly what you explained. Like I have Crohn's disease. I, for years, I was in the hospital all the time, the emergency room all the time, sometimes twice a month. Same with you, admitted, high dose steroids, antibiotics, all of it. So I was listed as a high or super utilizer because I used the system a lot. So did you. Right away, it's already goes against anyone who's chronically ill. So you had that going against you. The number of prescribers, if you go to the emergency room, anytime you have a surgery in the emergency room, get a prescription, any of that, every single one of those prescribers will go against you. And what you said before, if you see a doctor who's more than 25 miles from your house, I think if it's in the country, they let you have 40 miles, which is oh, so kind of them. That goes against you too. I have no idea that going to seek medical care at a world-renowned institution would go against me. And I beg Cleveland Clinic in tears to help me and they did it when you sit there crying like do they just look at you blankly do they scold you what what do they do my one pain management doctor told me that he was going to call the police on me <gasps> what yeah because i was explaining to him how bad it was because literally it was like somebody taking a like a magnet to my bone and just ripping just right. ripping them out and he's like we'll use a lidocaine patch um, which part of my body do you want me to put it on and it doesn't work like you see me when i go into the er i'll have nine lidocaine patches all over me and so why would he call the police on well, you? Well, he told me he's going to call the police on me because I told him that it was so bad that I looked into um, assisted suicide. So then he was going to call the police on you. Of course, I don't want to kill myself. I've never wanted to kill myself. That doctor mentioned your score. And did you say another doctor mentioned it to you too? Or was it just that one? Doctor? No, just the one did. But the other one, he didn't say anything about my score. I saw my score. So you saw office. your score. Cleveland Clinic is just straight up opioid. They're yeah. against it. Did you ever I, file I, a complaint? I have full intention to. I've started doing it. I made the decision not that long ago to go find new doctors. I got really lucky with my new physician. Right. And she has recommended other new physicians to me. And it's Excellent. just worked out wonderfully. Narc's care is so bad. Like, it's so bad and so few people know about it. Well, it's so discriminatory. They discriminated yes. against me because I have an illness. And I That's have it. some specialists. They discriminated yes. against me because I lived in a county that didn't have a huge medical system. And I had to drive far away. They just discriminated against me because I lost my insurance. It's so absurd yes. and obscene and it needs to stop. And then if there's any kind of mental health diagnosis that goes against you, and there's the things we've speculated, like sexual abuse, we know sexual abuse history or, or rape history or like any kind of abuse history goes against people with certain risk scores. And we can't, of course, we don't know for sure if it's in that one or not. I've learned all of these issues. Yeah. And I got so lucky with my new pain management doctor. They are wonderful. I'm really grateful that I yep. found them and they're so kind to me. I mean, that's great to hear because we hear horror stories every day, all day, nonstop. And so it's good to hear something that's happening to somebody that's positive in our community. Man, it seems like we fight so hard and it just... Oh, oh, I know. I told them, you know, like, you don't understand how nice it is to walk out of a doctor's office and not in tears. They don't make yeah. me cry. How sad is that, that that's the like benchmark for whether something's good or not? I mean, 
we're so traumatized, so scared of being like, I don't know, it's not even rational of being like stuck there and being just talked to like I'm a horrible human being and being abused and being treated horribly and like not being able to leave like in my head, how it feels. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly, it's trauma. It is literally trauma. I drive around different streets just so I do not have to pass up a Cleveland clinic. And it's sad. All three of you who gave me stories, you know, for this episode about Narc's care, all three are women. Two have lupus. One has endometriosis. And I really do think that these scores and medical in general, just medical care is set up to be biased against women. We know it's biased against people of color and it's very biased against women. It's set up to penalize women for having chronic illnesses that usually women get. Yep. And I've had a doctor even tell me that, well, usually women are involved. Uh Like, like they think that our lives are so miserable or something like that, just because we're women and we have a chronic illness and they shove all this nonsense down you and how many years of my life they have wasted and taken from me. It's terrible. I mean, for all we know, just being a woman makes your NARCS care score higher. We don't know. But it's so unfair, Jenna. The trauma that's been placed upon us from these doctors, but just having that trauma, like if you're diagnosed with PTSD, which I don't know if that's what you have, but it certainly sounds like it's possible. If you get diagnosed with that, and that's something you share with, if you ever went back to Cleveland Clinic, then that itself will be used against you in NARCS care. Like exactly. It's in even though they're the ones who caused it. You know, they talk about iatrogenic addiction, meaning that the, you know, the medical community caused this addiction. Well, what about iatrogenic trauma? The medical community is causing this trauma and it's because of this ridiculous false narrative, ridiculous score, this whole focus on just reducing opioids as the only end goal. We just need to keep fighting. We need to keep fighting to bring it to an end. Thank you so much for talking with me. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you for everything. And thank you for letting me share my story. This next interview is of a pain patient named Liz. She was also affected by Narc's care. She has lupus also just like Jenna does. And you'll hear what happened to her in this interview. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for joining me today. I first heard about you when I read a post that you put about Narc's care. You want to tell me what happened to you? I went to the hospital last month. I had gone to the emergency because I went to have an MRI and I was in a lot of pain. I couldn't do it. Told me to head over to the ER, get my pain under control and see if they could do the MRIs for me. I need uh, hip replacements. So I went to the emergency room. The nurse practitioner came in, asked me what was going on. He's a little blah, but you know, we all have bad days. So I didn't think too much of it. And the second time he came in, he was snippy with me again. At this point, I'm like, why is he treating me this? He came back to let me know that it was going to be a three-hour wait. So all this time, you're in excruciating pain, avascular uh-huh. I mean, isn't that like almost bone death when your bone just kind of yeah. turns powder? It's extremely yeah. painful. For whatever reason, it's one of those things now that some doctors, especially the younger providers, seem to think it's in your head, which is insane because it's literally bone death. But we've we've heard other people, they get treated like this also. So he tells you you have to wait three hours, you're in agony, and then what happens? I said, I'm not staying, I'm not staying here for three hours in, in pain. I'm not gonna do that. And he's like, well, I can get you Tylenol. At that point, I laugh at him. Because like you said, my bone is dying. 
in both of my heads. I don't take regular pain medications. He was getting loud with me and I was getting loud with him. And he says, your NARC score is so high, I can't give you anything for pain. Is that the first time you ever heard the word NARC care? Yes. You had no idea what he was talking about. I told him that. I said, I don't know what that is or how it pertains to me and what's going on right now. What did he say when he said that? He said it was over 400 and he wasn't just going to pump me full of narcotics. Did he explain to you what that 400 meant? I guarantee you he doesn't even know what it means. But did he explain it to you? Nope. Of course not. At this point, I'm upset. The nurse is trying to calm me down. I was already crying from the pain. Of course. I heard him say, let's just get her something to calm her down. I thought I was getting Toradol because that was what I said worked. The nurse came back in. I asked her what she was giving me and I didn't really catch the name. Okay. When I talked to the hospital later on, they did tell me that it was droperidol. Which is similar to, is it Haldol? Similar to Haldol? Yes. Which is an antipsychotic. So they basically shut you up and chemically sedate, like chemically restrain you is basically what they were. Yes. How did you react to that when they gave it to you? For over three hours until the MRI tech came to get me. Of course. You were, because that's not a medication that you needed. I felt out of my body. Mm -hmm. They did give me Dilaudid when I went for the MRI. I mean, I would have kind of rather been sedated for the MRI than for the three hours that I was sitting there. I mean, right. If they had just knocked you out and you could have had the whole MRI and then woken up after, you probably wouldn't even have needed the Dilaudid at that point. Right. He just didn't want to deal with me. Right. Even though he's the one who upset you and you had every reason Mm -hmm. to that. So you leave the hospital and you called the hospital to complain or ask about Narc's care. What happened after that? I was upset and I didn't really know what to do. I called the hospital or no, I'm sorry. I sent an email. I went to their webpage and I sent over a request for somebody to contact me about my visit. It ended up being a nurse from the emergency department, I guess, who takes in complaints and then passes it on to administration. So he's all I've spoken to so far. When I told him the story of what happened, he said he was not supposed to use narc scare. He was not supposed to say that word. Taught not to give you your score. I actually find incredibly disrespectful. It doesn't make any sense to me because this is something that's a score for you about your prescription history, your file. So the fact that we're not even allowed to have access to it or even know what's in it, I think that's horrible. If it's not used to make medical decisions, which is what they say, then what's it used for? To judge us. That's exactly right. So it's being used to judge and make medical decisions. When you and I spoke about Narc's care and we went over, I explained to you some of the things that were in it. The fact that you weren't even on daily opioids to me it shows just how horrible that score is the number they told you is is about the overdose risk score and you're not even on daily medication but the only thing we could figure is you had told me you had some maybe anxiety history and also you had moved after covid right you moved a few times yes i moved several times after covid yeah so that goes against you with with pharmacies and all of that. What you've been through is horrible. I think I read online, didn't you post something that you are going to be able to get your surgeries? Yes. My right total hip replacement is scheduled for November 28th. Excellent. So I do hope that you have this conversation with your surgeon ahead of time to talk to them about 
even I would even bring up Narc's care and tell them what happened and, and get something in writing about what your post-op pain control will be. Are you going to follow, follow through with a complaint to the hospital? Yes. Yeah, please do follow through with those complaints. I think sometimes that's where we um, fall short because, you know, we're so traumatized and so stressed out and so much going on. And it's intimidating to keep filing complaints. But I think it's the only way that they could know. Is there anything else you wanted to add about this experience, about Narc's care, anything before we go? You know, I hope it brings awareness that we are being judged. The people who are suffering are the people who are in pain. Well, you don't know me. You have no idea what I've been through. I have been sick my entire life. This will be surgery 10 and 11. And that right there goes against your score. You're already marked because you've been sick. Disgusting. It's absolutely atrocious what they've done. If you use the system a lot for legitimate surgeries or anything else, you're automatically going to have a higher score. That's crazy. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank um, you for having me. I appreciate you being willing to share your story. This is so helpful for us to get the word out there. This last interview is with Catherine. Maya had interviewed Catherine for her Wired article. So this story might sound a little bit familiar to you. But it was really nice to speak with her and let her tell us exactly what happened to her and how she's doing today. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for talking with me today about Narc's Care. I first reached out to you last year. I saw you had posted something about Narc's Care. Can you tell me a little bit about the hospital stay? I was in the hospital. I had endometriosis. Initially, I was receiving really good care. Then a new attending physician came in, not only treated me like I was five, but treated me like a criminal, telling me opiates do not work, that it was making my condition worse. I was going to become addicted and that this is a terrible choice of medication and it should be stopped immediately. You had been receiving opioids when you were having flare-ups for years, right? So you knew that wasn't even true, didn't you? I knew that that was not the case. I knew opiates did work and this doctor came in and started telling me all these things and I refuted them with facts. I remained very unemotional. I actually fired him. Unfortunately, it was on a Friday. I told the nurse after he left, I do not want that man in my hospital room again. I want him off the case. He walked right back into my room when I looked clearly surprised. He said, I understand that you have requested that I not be your physician. Since it's a Saturday, I will be remaining your doctor unless you would like to lead the hospital against medical advice. Endometriosis is one of those illnesses that seem to be used gaslighting women and making them feel like it's in your head. It's hard enough to even get diagnosed to begin with, but then the way you're treated is just, it's unacceptable. You had this horrible hospital stay. You leave the hospital, you received some letter in the mail. The reason I, I left the hospital, normally I don't leave until the pain is under reasonable amount of control. This physician had literally was smacking his hand going, this is poison. This is dangerous. This is going to kill you. This is not medicine. This is for people that are dying. You shouldn't be in any pain. And he started aggressively pushing on my abdomen. I'm saying, you know, ow, that hurts. And he goes, well, it, it shouldn't. Eventually he leaves. I call the nurse. She said, you are immediately being switched to Toradol you don't want the Toradol, then there's no reason for you to be here any longer. You're going to be discharged. And I would say that you should follow up with your OBGYN. But I have a feeling, and she got very sarcastic. She said, I have a feeling you're going to find it very difficult to do that. 
I'm sure you'll see what I mean in, in a few days. You should be receiving something in the mail. At no point during this hospital stay did I see anyone from my OBGYN's office. It was very strange the way the nurse said, I think you're going to have trouble following up. She handed me the discharge papers. It listed a dozen and a half conditions that I do not have that were never brought up or discussed from opiate use disorder to mental health issues. I never even saw somebody from the psych yeah. department. We actually see that a lot. Look at their records after they were treated horribly at the hospital and there are psych diagnoses or something like malingering, drug seeking, depression, anxiety. So you leave the hospital, have this letter from the practice that performed the surgery, diagnosed the endometriosis. This was a physician that knew the situation very well. They were experts in my in my case. Said, Dear Catherine, the foundation of our relationship with you as a patient is based on mutual trust and shared respect. This letter has been sent to you after careful consideration of your health care needs. This practice has received a report from the NARCS Care database reporting your prescription history. Concerns regarding this prescription activity rises concerns about the quality of health care that we can provide for you. It is of importance for you to seek care with a practitioner that specializes in this type of case. This necessitates a decision to terminate this practice, OBGYN physician-patient relationship with you, and you are to seek care with another physician that meets your criteria. This is effective immediately, and we will provide 30 days of emergency care only. Medication will only be provided for emergent needs, none other. For legal purposes, you will receive a certified mail return receipt letter in regards to this matter. It is solely your responsibility to pursue both follow-up treatment and continued care for your health care needs. That's the first thing I did was Google it. I'm not seeing any other OBGYN. I only go to one hospital. I had use the same pharmacy. There was no doctor shopping. We were in the midst of the discussion of how do we get you proper pain management for this condition. They brought up the CDC guidelines. All of this had been discussed. It was very confusing to me until I looked up what NARC's care was. When I reread the letter, my first thought is if they're obstetrics and gynecology, how is this outside the scope of your practice? And it then became very clear that when they said you need care that I needed treatment for OUD. Were you ever able to find out what your NARCS care report was? No. I've stuck with the same pharmacy, the same provider for the past six years. The issue was this OBGYN team, prescriptions were written all by the same practice, but they may have been written by different physicians. So in terms of just the score on its face, looked like it might have been a bunch of different physicians that had prescribed over the years. We do know that mental health diagnoses, PTSD or depression, that can make your score go up. And number of providers, like you said, didn't you have pets that you thought may have been listed under your score? Here in Michigan, for any controlled substance, when you're picking up a prescription for your pet, they require your driver's license. And I said, well, is that going to show up on me taking this prescription. They've basically looked at me blankly and gone, I have no idea. After Maya wrote her article in Wired, we were interviewed by NPR, CMO from Bamboo Health was on there. Both of the things that you just 
said. She said, it doesn't happen if you have more than one prescriber in an office. It's never listed as multiple prescribers. And she also said a veterinarian who writes a prescription, it never goes on the record as a prescriber. But we've actually seen reports from people where they list multiple prescribers from one practice and they list the veterinarian. And this is part of the problem with an care. Their overdose risk score is proprietary. It's black box. We really don't know what's in it and we don't even have access to the score. So the only reason why any of us have ever been able to see the score is because there's someone who shows us that either doesn't know they're not supposed to show us or has mercy on us and wants to help us. They say they want to reduce stigma. They want to save lives. They want to prevent all these problems. But all they've done is cause such a huge issue between patients and doctors. Doctors can't trust patients. Patients are being gaslit. We can't trust doctors. The government is dictating healthcare. Doctors are afraid. Patients are afraid. It's really broken healthcare. And I hope someday it could be fixed. But for now, I mean, we're stuck with an arts care. You know, they brag that it's such an amazing thing and that it's been so successful. But all they talk about is a level of prescribing that has gone down. But overdoses have skyrocketed. Patient suffering is out of control. Suicides are up. I'm not so sure addiction is even down. So I don't know what they're so happy about. You had this issue. You came back. You read this letter. Now you're without a doctor. Let's talk about how things have gone since then. How's your care today? Has this letter followed you anywhere? Has anyone spoken to you about your score since then? Are things better for you now? I basically, after this happened, said, short of having a baby or having a bone sticking out of my body, I'm not going to the hospital. No matter what I do or no matter where I go, nobody's going to help me. Part of the re- other reason I'm sure my NARX care score is so high is that I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. After a while, you're conditioned to just go, it doesn't matter how loudly I scream, nobody's going to help me. So you just stop talking about it and you just are in physical agony. For a while, that's what I did until it got to the point where I was like, I can't live like this. But I was able to get an appointment. He finished hearing the whole story and said, it sounds like you have just been through the ringer and I just want to really apologize. This shouldn't be the case. We as doctors are supposed to be helping On the way home, I just started thinking to myself, the fact that this is seemingly almost magical, like the fact that somebody listened to my issues, wants to help me. How long have you been seeing this provider? I've been seeing this provider now for, it'll be six months and two weeks. You're never treated like a criminal. He actually asked me what I had been prescribed before and what I felt worked best and what didn't. That's what he started with. That's excellent. That's the best I've heard from anyone who has found a new provider. You're very, very blessed, very fortunate. I'm really happy to to hear that because when I heard from you about being dismissed from a doctor's office for having an arts care score, it was all very passive aggressive and very much alluding to your case is beyond our scope of practice. Yeah. You need to find a provider that can actually get you the help that you need. You didn't have the courage to flat out even say, you need to go to rehab and you need to find somebody that's able to give you yeah. treatment for this. It's just, it's so disrespectful respectful. It's patient abandonment. We're seeing it more and more. If something doesn't change and that doesn't get addressed, these these overdose and suicide and OUD numbers, studies are showing even up to two years after a patient has been cut off, they're seeing increased rates of suicide, increased rates of overdose. Please don't give up. There are physicians like the one that I finally found. One number I do not want to see growing is that suicide. 
have an advocate and don't give up. Those are the two biggest things that I can just say to somebody. That's excellent advice to give people. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to part two of our Narcs Care podcast. Part three is going to be all about the PDMP. It might end up being part three and four, depending on how long it is. We have two wonderful guests that we are interviewing who are experts in the PDMP. And then we are interviewing the patient that I spoke to you about who had that medication that show up in her PDMP, or at least that's what the methadone clinic told her. We're going to interview her and hear from, in her own words what she's going through with it because that's still not resolved. I do realize that I repeated over and over again that a big problem with NARC's care and similar algorithms are that they are black box, they are proprietary. The people using them to influence decisions don't know what's in them and they don't even know that they don't know what's in them. I did have a pharmacist show me one time my NARC's care score and I said to him, do you know what goes into that? And he was like, yeah, it's just the PDMP stuff about providers and prescribers and all of that. And I said, well, do you realize there's other stuff that goes in there like claims data, different diagnoses and criminal justice data and he was like no it's just the pdmp stuff and i said no it's actually not so right there it showed me these people have no idea what's going into it so i do realize that i repeated that i did that on purpose if there's one thing i want you to come away from this understanding it's that we need to fight against these risk scores i don't know if we can ever get it banned of course that would be my long-term goal to get narcs care banned i've wanted that for years since I started doing this in 2017. But at the very least, I think we need to fight to get the FDA to regulate it, to get it so it's out in the open, so we know what goes into it, so the providers know what goes into it. Nothing should be hidden since this is used to make decisions about our care. And then the other part of my goal is for us to have immediate access to the PDMP because we should. Just like we now have access to our electronic health records by law through HIPAA, information blocking laws, we should also have access to our PDMP. It shouldn't take a month to get the report. It shouldn't take six months to correct the report. We should be able to see it immediately. There's a high error rate in electronic health records. I'm sure there's a high error rate in the PDMP as well. I don't know if anyone's truly studied that. Those are my goals. At least get the FDA to regulate it, make NARCs care, not black box anymore, and to gain immediate access to our PDMP. If you've had any experience with the PDMP, whether good or bad, if you're a provider, if you're a patient, reach out to me and let me know. Thank you once again for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please follow us on Spotify, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share with anyone that you think might benefit from this information. If you have any comments that you would like to leave us about this episode, as always, please reach out to us at bev at the doctorpatientforum.com or claudia at the doctorpatientforum.com. We look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Doctor Patient Forum podcast. Just a quick disclaimer that what you hear in our podcast is not to be considered medical or legal advice. We will always provide links in the show notes to give evidence for what we are saying.